1: this is the busted open podcast you can listen to the full show monday through saturday from 9 a.m to noon eastern on SiriusXM xm fight nation channel 156
0: welcome to the busted open podcast this is dave lagreca and my guest for the podcast today is young whippersnapper the legendary sam Roberts. sam how are you man
1: well, I'm okay, you know, there are people on the internet stabbing me in the back, just deciding to call me a shill for no apparent reason, going on big wrestling radio shows, and instead of uh, uh, putting me up on a pedestal, trying to smash me down, but that's okay, you know, I'm still willing to do podcasts.
0: And, and also, too, you called me 62, and I'm only 49, Sam, and right, said why? that busted open, and will live well past me, and they should be getting younger talent to bleed into the show, oh, no, so no, no, I appreciate no. that, too.
1: You misinterpreted what I was saying. What I was oh. saying was like, if you'll notice, like when you look at the busted open talent pool and the stuff that we at, at, at WWE are doing, uh, mm-hmm. we're looking like, if you look at not Sam wrestling on the WWE network, Mark Henry, bully Ray, you know, I mean, there's a lot of talent. You know, I, I didn't, I mean, if we had a season two, I'm sure Tommy dreamer would have been, will be on it. Uh, but what I'm saying is as, cause you brought up the pre-shows and you acted as if, The reason I'm on the pre-show is because I'm a shill and not because I'm like just crazy talented broadcaster. So what I'm saying is as we at WWE continue the search for extremely talented broadcasters to use on some of our programming, we will probably continue to look beyond, I mean, 49. (laughs) Dave LaGreca. Those are air quotes if you're not watching on video because- I believe 49, like, like I believe I'm 25. Well, I mean, you mentioned
0: extremely talented broadcaster, which you are, I thought that was a given. I didn't think I needed to oh. say that. I thought that was kind <laughs> okay. of a given. You know, we're all extremely talented broadcasters. I was just saying that, uh, you know, some get opportunities like you and Peter Rosenberg and Peter Rosenberg. I mean, you would agree, Sam. Peter Rosenberg is a shill. Right? In yeah. his tweet, <laughs> he goes to me, I wear world class championship wrestling t shirt. Oh really? I haven't seen a one.
1: I mean, I also, I mean, I would I would assume Peter Rosenberg could not like if you said like you know, what's your favorite Iceman Parsons match? I don't think Rosenberg would have any idea what you were talking about. So I don't no, know about what know. this world class yeah. Yes. I mean, at least, you know, I may be a WWE shill, but at least at least I've watched. My stuff, at least, you know, I've, I've got my, I had stacks of world class VHS tapes. Like, you know, I choose to be a WWE show, but, you know, I've got my, I've got my, my base of knowledge.
0: Well, you're, you're living a gimmick, Sam. Is that's all I was trying that's to right. get across. <laughs>
1: okay. All right. All right. Well, I can, I can buy into that. I never want anybody to spoil, spoil that gimmick. I and we're
0: that. having some fun because I, I just want to say we're having fun because Conrad Thompson and I had a war and people bought into it like hook line and secret to the point we had to stop because like Conrad was getting threats. So like we had to actually cease and desist everything that was going on. So obviously, you know, with the current state in pro wrestling right now, it's probably best to say, Hey, this is all in fun.
1: Yeah. I mean, it probably is best. Otherwise you end up going on a pre-show saying some crazy stuff about Bianca Belair. And two years later, people won't let it go.
0: Yeah. Well that, you know, but now <laughs> it is the time to throw those words back in your face. Sam. Oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be in a main event match at WrestleMania. So probably probably yep. want to take way, those things back.
1: By the way, de- deserves to yes. be in a main event match at WrestleMania. For the record, Sam Roberts saying it. I love it, Sam. And
0: I had to get you on today because it is a national holiday. It's 316 day. So, you know, March 16, 316, Stone Cold 316. So I couldn't think of anybody better to have on today for this national holiday than you, Sam Roberts.
1: I appreciate that, man. I love 316 Day because it, you just start thinking about Stone Cold. Like they put a, 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 a video out on like WWE's social, and it was, it was the video of the first match where they shifted over commentary, the character of the ringmaster. Well, you know, they've been, uh, some of his peers have been calling him the ringmaster, but if you look at him, Steve Austin seems stone cold. And I'm like, well, look at you, Vince McMahon does not get enough credit for storytelling behind that microphone on commentary because it was that sort of, they just organically shifted over and it started this thing and and, and the rivalry with Savio Vega started it. But I mean, from the from the very beginning of the ringmaster, becoming stone cold steve austin there's just no career no character no superstar that that i even put on stone cold's level to tell you the truth see this is interesting
0: cuz there's a lot of things i want to get into and a lot of it's based on the 316 promo which you know completely transcended you know his character and his personality probably more so than any other promo in pro wrestling history, right? I mean, you know, people talk about Ric Flair and how great Ric Flair was on the mic. And Ric Flair is my number one. I think he's the greatest pro wrestler of all time and the greatest on the mic. But there wasn't one single promo from Ric Flair where I say, well, that transcended his character and his personality. Dusty Rhodes, the hard times promo. Amazing promo. It did it. It Hey, he was still the son of a plumber before that, and he was the son of a plumber after that. That 316 promo from Stone Cold started something that I think is unlike anything in the history of pro wrestling.
1: Yeah, I would agree. I mean, you look at, at classic singular promos, and if there was any, like, singular Ric Flair promo, because Ric Flair's stuff is is kind of spread across, like, it, it's yeah. a montage, right? Like, everything he did in that television studio picking up his shoes, doing everything. I mean, it was just all magnificent. If there's one single Ric Flair promo, maybe the 92 Royal Rumble promo, but even then he's literally won the WWE championship already. So that wasn't, that didn't set anything in motion. It just defined that moment. I think the same thing with the hard times promo. I think you could go to CM Punk's pipe bomb, but really, I don't know that the CM Punk pipe bomb promo was ever paid off. I don't, I don't think that there was it, it. I think the CM Punk pipe bomb promo was the best thing of that era for punk. And that's not necessarily because of punk. It's just the way the story ended up being told. I don't think there is. And that's, what's so amazing about the stone cold Steve Austin story and the story of that character is that there is that sort of pin that you can put in where this, is the beginning. And I think that it's also special because that promo being the beginning, not only do the words and the Austin 316, not, not, not only does that start it, but the spirit into how the promo was created defines the character as well. The idea that it was not written, the idea that he was not, he he left the building and he came back and like, He's like, what did Jake say in his promo? And as he's going to the ring, he's just thinking, oh, maybe I'll say this thing. And he's making it up as he goes. And it's authentic. It's authentic Steve Austin with nothing to lose and just capturing the moment. And that is the energy that you get from every great Steve Austin moment. It feels like he's trying to capture. He's fighting for his life to capture every moment humanly possible. Like there's not going to be another one. And every single moment feels authentic.
0: And it's amazing in the way that, yeah, he, all he knew, he wasn't even in the building to hear Jake. It was just that all he knew was, is it was a religious based promo. That's all he knew. And then Mm -hmm. he throws out the three sixteen, And then at the end of the promo, he throws out and that's the bottom line because Stone Cold said so. Like, just to figure out a way of getting out of that promo to finish it. Like, seriously, Sam, like, genius. You're getting, like, two Grand Slam lines in one singular promo.
1: But he also was not afraid to go there. Like, you also have to keep in mind that this is 1996, June of 96. This isn't even late 96. Even in late 96, it was still a very sort of family-friendly product in WWE. You know, this is still Shawn Michaels boyhood dream era, Jose Lothario, like, you know, the good guys are the good guys and the bad guys are the bad guys. And the fact that not only did he win, but he went out and attacked a biblical verse. He attacked a man for finding Jesus. He literally told him, you thump your Bible and it didn't help telling you I am more powerful than any God that you pray that's to. Crazy. And that's not a thing that was happening in 96. And that's what I mean about, you know, there's no tomorrow with him that he just went out there. And I think that that's what makes him so special is that he saw what happened in WCW and he saw that, you know, I mean, you, if you really objectively look at the stuff he did in WCW, this st- once he got the Hollywood blondes era, Steve Austin, Steve Austin and Brian Pillman as a tag team were better than anything that was going on in WCW at the time. And the fact that it was made clear to him that you're not a main event talent. You're just, that's not who you are. And he goes to WWE. And when he gets there, it's like, you're a good hand. That's the ringmaster was never supposed to be a champion. The ringmaster was supposed to be a good hand. Ted DiBiase would do the talking for him and he'd be one of those mid-level heels that could make somebody look good on their way to becoming a champion so austin goes out and he's like you're gonna if you're gonna give me this much i'm not i don't what are you gonna do fire me what are you gonna do take away opportunities that i'm not getting anyway like i'm gonna go out there and make an impact and his instincts were right
0: and also to you know, being told to keep a microphone out of his hand. Like, this isn't a guy, like you mentioned, Ted DiBiase was supposed to be his mouthpiece. He was some, somebody that was not supposed to be able to cut a promo, and he cut on the fly maybe one of the greatest promos in pro wrestling history that completely changed, in time, the landscape of pro wrestling. And that was another thing that was beautiful about it because a lot of times in pro wrestling, Sam, and you know this, a moment happens, well, we got to capitalize on this moment. This, this yeah. wasn't overnight. Like A lot of people that may have not lived that moment maybe don't realize it wasn't like that promo happened and then the next day, like the complete landscape change. No, it happened organically. There's other events that took place. So that was so beautiful at that moment that it just transcended what was going to be a ladder of success for Stone Cold Steve
1: Austin. Yeah, I mean, if you think about the timeline of Steve Austin – like not too long after that, a couple of months after that is when he started calling out Bret Hart. But people kind of go, Austin 316 promo WrestleMania 13. And it's like, nope, that's not. I mean, there's a lot. That's June of 96 to April of 97. That's almost a year in between those two things. And then it would be another year after that before he was champion. I mean, you know, I, 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 I think Survivor Series 96 was probably the next... Step, but I, I think there's an amazing the, the promo that really made me realize in the moment something different is happening is you put a you put the letter S in front of the word hitman, you got my exact opinion on Bret Hart. Because it was like Yes. Did he just call it that on television? Like you didn't, that wasn't happening. This wasn't an era where you got, you know, three profanities per hour and you'd be okay. Like that it was not happening. So you're like, whoa, this is. This is real life. He's calling him out. And and they go to, all the way to Survivor Series 96. So now we're talking about June 96, King of the Ring to Survivor Series 96. That's November. So that's June, July, August, November. That's five months. That's a long time where he's still just like, I'm trying to make this thing work. I'm trying to prove myself. He finally has this match with Bret Hart, which I think at the time, most of us, Still assumed, I think Bret Hart and Steve Austin included that this match was a tune up for Bret Hart to eventually send him to WrestleMania to face Shawn Michaels, the actual yep. main event. And it was, it was the best match on the show. You know, it was the best match of Survivor Series 96. And it was just another one of those moments where it's like, okay, if you're going to put me in Madison Square Garden and you're going to give me a singles match with, at the time, one of the greatest good guys in the history of wrestling, Brett the Hitman Hart. I'm gonna I'm gonna make you regret not giving me more consideration, and he did. And the WWE was at a, at, in a time period where they were, I think they were listening.
0: Yeah, and they were, and and I think they wanted to go to that next level, and Stone Cold was the one that brought that company to another level. And then you talk about yeah. like the matchup between. Bret the Hitman Hart, and Stone Cold Steve Austin. And obviously, when you think about iconic moments, iconic images, you know, if you were to get a still shot of one of the greatest images in pro wrestling history, it's Stone Cold Steve Austin with the blood coming down, pouring into his mouth. Again, you talk about taking chances. That was taking a chance. Because at that time, you didn't bleed in the WWF, and they went there, and it became one of the greatest iconic moments in WWF history, And I really truly believe that I do mean that of all the images that one sticks in my head, maybe more than any other. And that shouldn't have happened, Sam.
1: Yeah. I mean, I mean, talking about you didn't bleed then specifically in that match, they were not given permission to bleed. They were told do not bleed in this match and Brett and, and you know, Steve put his faith in Brett, that Brett was like a guy who had a little bit of pull at the time. You know, he was, he was one of the top people there. And Brett was like, we're going to do it anyway and they take this chance, and not only do they not get in trouble for it, it's the cover of Raw Magazine. That black and white photo ends up on the cover of Raw Magazine, and that, that is the story. It's like, it's one thing to see this guy pass out from a sharpshooter and go, oh man, he never quit. Steve Austin is the man. It's another thing to watch this guy with just blood pouring down his entire face and he won't tap out to that sharpshooter and, and he and his face is telling the story and the blood and everything. And it becomes impossible to boo him. It becomes impossible to say that he's not the man. Like he backs up everything that he's saying. And when when Bret Hart throws the tantrum afterward, it's I mean, it's just it's it's just storytelling beauty. It's like yeah. how do you How do you cheer this guy and how do you boo that guy now?
0: You know, Sam, and we joke about, you know, our ages and everything else. And we obviously started to be pro wrestling fans at different times. You know, for me, I, my first year as a pro wrestling fan was 1982. So that era of wrestling in the eighties, Hulk Hogan comes to mind. Um, I always regard Hulk Hogan as the biggest pro wrestling star of all time. Uh, but you can argue Stone Cold Steve Austin to be in that position. And I think over time, over the decades, I think it's perceived that really Stone Cold Steve Austin is probably the biggest star in pro wrestling history. When you look at ratings, when you look at box office and all those elements that people kind of measure what success is, you could say that Stone Cold Steve Austin is the greatest star in pro wrestling history.
1: Yeah, for me, I think Stone Cold Steve Austin is the greatest star in history. I think I think Shawn Michaels is the greatest wrestler of all time. I think The Undertaker is the greatest character of all time. And I think Stone Cold Steve Austin is the greatest superstar of all time. And I mean, you know, you could argue Hulk Hogan and Hulk Hogan did the impossible. Not only did he have that the Hulkamania run in the 80s spilling over into the 90s, but then you get to the NWO era, and like you said, as the decades progress, you could argue that Hogan's run as Hollywood in WCW was equally as important as the Hulkamania run was in the in the '80s. Um, but you know, I was a kid during Hulkamania, so I did. I mean, I I felt the energy. I watched it. It was. It was. I I don't downgrade anything that Hogan did, but I mean, the way. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact too that after, you know, WrestleMania eight, WrestleMania nine, there was not a hunger for Hulk Hogan anymore. Like Hulk Hogan, unfortunately, that version of Hulk Hogan, it uh, it, it didn't it didn't burn out. It just kind of melted away like yeah. a candle. You know what I mean? Like it was it, it 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 ran the course. Whereas Steve Austin to this day, if the glass shatters we're ready for a stone cold match. Like we want stone cold back in because nobody like you have these conversations where you go, okay, well, John Cena is the Hulk Hogan of his era. You could even say the rock is the Hulk Hogan of his era. You could say Roman Reigns is the Hulk Hogan of his era, but nobody you don't put, you don't say stone cold. Steve Austin is the Hogan of his era. And you don't say anybody else is the stone cold of their era. Because Stone Cold Steve Austin is that unique entity where there is only one. And I think it does add to the lore that he disappears after WrestleMania 19 in terms of being an in-ring guy and just never, he's the only person to never have another match.
0: I I would always say, and we've had these arguments in the Sirius XM hallways and things like that, because as much as you and I are doing this show right now. We actually did a show before the show, and whenever <laughs> we get together, we just bullshit. But I would always say Hogan, because, you know, experience, experiencing Hulkamania at the time that it was happening, literally, you would go see Hogan, and there would be 20,000 fans, and if Hogan wasn't on the card, you would get 4,000 fans. Like, I'm, I'm being completely honest. Like, that's the difference between having Hogan on the card and not having Hogan on the card. And that wasn't the same way with Stone Cold Steve Austin, because you did have other stars that were part of the WWF at that time. So you would still get a sold-out arena for the WWF, even if Stone Cold wasn't on the card. But there was something that you just said that I completely agree with. I think perception-wise, and as time has gone on, I really would probably have to say for myself as a fan that Stone Cold has now surpassed Hogan when it comes to being a star. Because when you hear that glass shatter, there's nothing else like it. There is, And this is how many years after he's retired and hasn't gone into another match. And listen, unfortunately, a lot of it has to do with things that have happened outside the ring. But you get some groans when Hogan appears now. You're not getting groans from anybody when Stone Cold Steve Austin appears. And he still kind of looks the same. Like, here we are in yes. 2020. He still looks like a badass that could kick your ass. And,
1: and you know, whether it's a you know, go ahead. You can show Austin stuff to anybody. Like, when I have a friend who doesn't like wrestling, and I'm like, no, wrestling is the greatest thing in the world. They're like, prove to me that wrestling is the greatest thing in the world. Stone Cold is my go to. The Undertaker's got some of that stuff too. Like, the Mo- Undertaker's got some cheesy stuff but there is Undertaker stuff that everybody is going to think that everybody will think is cool. Steve Austin, however, his whole catalog. I mean, I could pick through dozens and dozens of segments of matches and I'm like, there is no way that you won't think that this is cool. And they're like, okay, like, okay, he'll be the exception. Even if I don't like wrestling, even if I think wrestling is cheesy, no, Stone Cold is the man. And there's nobody else really, like that, like you can't put on old Hogan stuff for somebody now and go like, see, look, like, like if you put old Hogan stuff on now for a kid, it would be like showing me as a kid. Like Luthez or something like that, Where maybe as an adult, I can appreciate what's going on. But as a kid, I'm not trying to watch that anymore. Bruno Martino is a kid. I'd be like yesterday's news. That's not what wrestling looks like anymore. You know, this is ridiculous. But. If you put on Stone Cold Steve Austin now it's still just as good, man. It is still, it still holds up. And I really do think
0: it brought the cool
1: factor. There
0: was nobody before Stone Cold, even Ric Flair, as much as I love Ric Flair, it didn't transcend to the cool factor. You know, people on the schoolyard wasn't saying, oh, you're a Ric Flair fan, you're cool. No, you're still a wrestling fan, get away from me. But you go into the 90s with Stone Cold Steve Austin, it, it completely changed the climate. Of what wrestling fans are. That's when you start, you know, college, you know, college kids were going to see wrestling to go see Stone Cold Steve Austin. Like, it completely changed. Because you could say, like, Hogan did that a little bit when it came from, you know, you watch wrestling in the 70s and early 80s. A lot of older people, you know, the old Mm -hmm. boxing fans with the cigars. And then Hogan got the kids. He brought in the kids. But Stone Cold brought in the cool.
1: Yeah, Stone Cold absolutely brought in the cool. And he brought it in at a time when WWE was not cool. They just weren't. And all due respect to everybody that was there in 94, in 95, but it was a really rough time for WWE. I love that time because I was a kid and it's nostalgic. But I mean, mm-hmm. objectively speaking, it was a rough time. And WCW comes out with the NWO. And it led to, I. I it was the NWO. I think the fact that, WCW had a, a product that looked a little more new age and they had those cruiserweights um, added to it. But ultimately, everywhere you went, you were seeing NWO shirts. It was the NWO t-shirts that started infecting the malls across America, where you would go into a mall, a t-shirt store in a mall. And for the first time, like people take that for granted. You would never see wrestling shirts at t-shirt stores. They would have like band t-shirts or, or novelty shirts or whatever, but they wouldn't never you never see a wrestling shirt at a Spencer Gifts. Like that, never, never. And WCW and the NWO, and they, they, they not only made things cool, but they started to make WWE look less relevant. And that's why, one of the reasons why I love Stone Cold Steve Austin so much was because he didn't just take a product and move it in To the current generation he actually i think is primarily responsible for bringing that product up digging it back up getting it back to where it needed to be putting it on his back and moving forward past the point where they had ever been before and you're right you know you couldn't have done it without honestly without mr mcmahon as a television character without the rock without The Undertaker, without Kane, without Mick Foley, like I, the, the the talent that they had and the way that talent was used in that era is like nothing you've ever seen. But ultimately, I do believe that had Stone Cold Steve Austin not been at the top of that keep going into, you know, 97 and, and 98, I don't think that, that WWE would have been able to course correct.
0: And maybe not survive. Like, that could have been the end of the
1: WWE. Yeah, that's a realistic scenario that while, yes, by, by 97, they had figured out how to brand the WWE as a brand so that people would still go to the arena, whether the top star would be there or not. I don't know that arenas start getting sold out again if Stone Cold Steve Austin does not put WWE on the track to sell out arenas.
0: Well, Sam, uh, somebody who can sell out arenas is you, and hopefully soon wow. we'll have live people in attendance again. So let me ask you, how are you celebrating Austin uh, 316 day?
1: Well, definitely popping Steve Weiser's uh, left and right. I'll be, uh, I'll be all – there it is. There it is, the Broken <laughs> Skull IPA. By the way, here's also, here's also why we need to celebrate Stone Cold Steve Austin at all costs is because of what he's doing – now okay wrestlers are just they're the most egotistical people that you will ever meet and that's because they are the ones responsible for their well-being ultimately a promoter has the promotion's best interest at heart for a wrestler to succeed and survive they need to be fully concentrated on their own personal interests and i take no gripe with that however when you look at what stone cold steve austin did on his podcast and when you look at what he's doing on the network now with those broken skull sessions, the fact that he's, he just loves the business still. It's a, yep. it, for him, it's not about reliving the glory days. He doesn't bring up all the old stone cold stuff. You know what I mean? When it, when it, he, to me, he feels more comfortable and I'm sure you've had him on busted open. Like he feels more comfortable talking to other people about their stuff than he does bringing up his old stuff like he wants to have Sasha Banks on there and put her over he wants yep. to he, he, he wants yep. to have uh, Drew McIntyre on so that he can put Drew McIntyre over you know that that's what he wants to do with his time and to have those conversations and to use those conversations to show this other relatable side to this talent and I mean there's just not there's not a lot of people That are on Steve Austin's level that to this day would still put business first. And I love him for that, man.
0: Yeah. Well, you know what? Have a happy 316 day, Sam. You deserve it. It's a national holiday for us. So be safe and have a good one.
1: I appreciate you. Thank you, Dave. Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM, Fight Nation, Channel 156, the Busted Open Podcast.
0: The Tito's handmade vodka was ice cold, condensation trickling down the copper metal shaker. It's got to be fresh lime, they drawled. Tart, but balanced. They weren't normally this finicky about cocktail hour. But with Tito's, it had to be perfect. Simple syrup, the final ingredient. The sound of shaking filled the room to the brim. For the perfect pour at next week's book club, try the Tito's Gim Literature. Find the recipe at titosvodka.com. 40% alcohol by volume, namely 80 proof, crafted to be savored responsibly.